Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. TP Hammock running the board, taking phone calls this afternoon. And we now go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on our good friend Joe Bartle of RotoWire here to talk some more fantasy football with us. Joe, the time is always appreciated. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. How about you guys? We are doing quite well. Well, well we, we were doing good when this uh, – Braves-Phillies game started, and then Bryce Harper decided to hit one to uh, New Jersey. And, yeah, not looking good for the Braves early right now. Yeah, the uh, amount of empathy I have for you is about as much success as the Brewers have in the postseason, <laughs> which is zero. So sorry uh, that your amazing team gets to not live up to expectations. I'm well aware of that throughout all of my Wisconsin sports tenure, and I feel very little for you. <laughs> uh, so, Joe, let's uh, let's start uh, start talking some fantasy here. We have another slew of, of running back injuries here uh, this week uh, with a couple other guys. You know, you did have a positive in Jonathan Taylor come back and, and now get a long-term deal with Indianapolis, but a few more running back injuries. How does that shake up some certain situations? Yeah, it's, it's tricky because, like, Devon Achan, who is – been a revelation for the Dolphins was already probably a wave wire pickup for I don't know, 60% of leagues out there, so that he's gone for three or four weeks. It stinks, obviously, uh, that he was at that point now a guaranteed starter, but it wasn't like it was a draft capital that you invested significantly a la Nick Chubb or something to that extent. So that's tricky um, in the sense that I don't know if there's any clear pickups. Jeff Wilson was on injured reserve for the Dolphins, obviously a former running back for the 49ers. They acquired him last year was pretty good uh, in, in certain durations for them, and I think is probably the top wave wire pickup, but they haven't activated him yet, and there's no guarantee they get activated this week. So that's the question is, do you go with a self-nodman in deeper leagues, or do you try and get Jeff Wilson and hope that you can end up waiting it out? In leagues that don't have an injured reserve spot, that's a really tough ask. So I'm not sure there is a great scenario in regards to the Dolphins' backfield, but certainly for James, uh, James Conner, it seems like Amari DiMarcato is going to be the guy, he took over for Keontae Ingram, who was the draft capital investment of the Cardinals of sorts. I think he was a day three, but early day three selection has been disappointing throughout his two years. I, I will confess, I know very little about DeMarcado's game uh, in the sense that what he did in college when he could translate to the NFL. Like even in the case of Jaleel McLaughlin for the Broncos, you knew he could be a, a, a big explosive player uh, and could be a pass-catching threat, kind of like what Alvin Kamara was for the Saints, different body types, certainly, but similar concept. I don't know what you could say for DiMercato, other than the Cardinals are probably incentivized to see what they have in him. I mean, if James Conner's going to be out at minimum four weeks, uh, the Cardinals were the the top odds for worst record in the league and have already, I think, exceeded expectations. I want to try out my young talent if I'm the Cardinals. I think you're in a situation to do so. So, uh, at least at minimum four weeks, DiMercato is going to be a running back two scenario, uh, and I could see it even being longer in, in that regard, too. And then speaking of uh, Jonathan Taylor, and obviously, like you know, like uh, Ryan said, he got paid and he's back on on the team playing for the Colts. And um, Anthony Richardson then goes on IR now for four weeks. Um, and Gardner Minshew will now be the starter. Do you think? First of all, do you think that Jonathan Taylor is going to end up taking most of the workload from Zach Moss as slowly, progressively? quickly um and and do you think that the loss of anthony richardson is going to impact the colts run game uh drastically or at any at any point yeah you guys know i do the tuesday waiver wire show for us and i actually was shocked with how many questions people had asking hey do i pick up Demarcado or to pick up zach moss who was dropped 
I guess in a lot of leagues, after the news that Jonathan Taylor re-signed and was activated off the pup list, uh, I like Zach Moss to the extent that it's it's good for that offense to have as many capable running backs as possible, and I think Zach Moss has certainly filled that bill for the Colts. And yeah, I would assume Jonathan Taylor at some point is going to be close to the 60-65% workload, but I'm not sure how you just put away Zach Moss. I think there's actually a room uh, with the way the Colts operate offensively that you can have both those guys be fantasy relevant to the point where I'd say start them both this week. If you have Zach Moss or if you have Jonathan Taylor and you're certainly needing running backs, it is not a bad choice at all in my mind to play either or both of those guys. I would assume by the end of the season, Jonathan Taylor is going to have more carries, even uh, even knowing that he spotted Zach Moss five games. But yeah, I, I think it's certainly possible. I do have a bit of reservation about the offense as a whole. Because if you said, "Hey, Anthony Richardson is your quarterback all season long for the Colts," I would like Anthony Richardson to have them play. But also, I think that makes Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor better too. So that he's gone and probably out for a lot of the uh, fantasy regular season is really difficult and really frustrating, um, especially in the case of Jonathan Taylor, who you know, signed the deal and, and talked about how he was excited to play for Anthony Richardson and got all of two quarters before that's effectively over. So I'm hoping things are better with Gardner Minshew, or at least that they can maintain the offensive efficiency that they've had this season. But we kind of know what Gardner Minshew is at this point in his career, and it's not just some pinup model uh, wearing blue jeans and a bare chest, right? I think he's he has some limitations as a quarterback, and I think offensively you can't do nearly as much as he can with Anthony Richardson. So I'm disappointed in that regard, um, but I do like uh, Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss this week. Tomorrow night's game between the Broncos and the Chiefs is just another all-timer for a Thursday night. But uh, but from the fantasy perspective, Travis Kelsey is questionable in that game. So, Joe, what's your confidence level in him being able to start? And if he can't, uh, who stands to benefit? Yeah, I guess he had a crazy date with Taylor, right? That's right. the only reason why that happened. Uh, I would assume he plays. I actually think this is one of those get-right games for the Chiefs offense, which a lot of people have been hemming and hawing over how they haven't looked really great. And I understand that, but they've had some difficult opponents and difficult situations. This shouldn't be one of them. But you mentioned the key factor of this. It's a Thursday night game, and weird things happen on Thursday night just about every week of the season, uh, and not for the better, oftentimes for fantasy managers. I think Mahomes is going to be fine. doesn't play. Uh, and I, I'm assuming that offense will do just fine, and I assume Kelsey's going to play as well. I mean, this is effectively a long buy for them, too, which is kind of important when you have a team like the Chiefs and has Super Bowl aspirations. You want to play things safe with your players. But if Kelsey gets through, then you have, what, 10 days, 11 days uh, to have him get a bit healthier and whatever else. So I, I think Kelsey will play. I'm not too concerned about it. And I do think Mahomes and company generates enough offense for everyone to uh, do pretty well relative to what their fantasy value was entering the season. And so, Joe, we, we've talked about injuries, obviously, because that really affects uh, a lot of things, not only for that particular player, but the rest of the players. And I'm really curious with another injury uh, to do a deep dive on of Justin Jefferson, who, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, as high as it gets for a wide receiver at his own production, but also that affects a, a quarterback and Kirk Cousins that, uh, you know, maybe he's not a great QB1 option, but certainly people carrying him on the roster. Uh, their running game's been non-existent. I mean, how bleak is that for that Vikings offense? Yeah, it's bleak to the point where I'm surprised that we're doing this call today and we haven't heard about Kirk Cousins being traded yet. Like, I, I, I really am shocked. Like, if this is just a business decision, the Vikings should have probably sent uh, uh, Kirk Cousins before that loss. The Chiefs signed. With the defense not looking very great, their early season schedule 
and now Justin Jefferson missing at minimum four games. And by the way, probably longer. I mean, if you look at his comments afterwards, he was not happy that he did not get a contract extension and basically said, I have no reason to go out there and, and, and hurt myself further uh, and limit my possible. This is the risk you guys took by not extend, extending me, and now you're going to reap what you sow. That was reading between the lines for Jefferson's quotes uh, yesterday when they placed him into reserve. But it, it, would, it would make me very hesitant and nervous of uh, the Vikings organization to say I'm going to have him back within four games. So I would have assumed Kirk Cousins is traded. There's too many teams that need quarterbacks, that have playoff aspirations, that, uh, again, if this is just a business thing, they would have already made that move. But it sounds like Cousins, and you look at that Netflix special, you know he likes being in Minnesota. This is where his family is. Uh, doesn't really want to move anybody. Could retire at the end of this season. I don't, I don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm shocked. As long as Cousins is the quarterback for the Vikings, though, that offense from a passing perspective, it's going to be fine enough. I, I've been trying to acquire Jordan Addison everywhere. Uh, I will be trading premium players or picks or whatever else to make Jordan Addison a starter on my team this season. I picked up Brandon Powell already in a few leagues and probably will in a few more uh, by the end of waiver wire priority. And I think T.J. Hawkinson as well is, is certainly valuable too. So I'm assuming Vikings defense continues to stink. Running game, like you mentioned, doesn't do all that well. And as a result, they're going to have to pass because they're trailing a lot. And there's just enough volume where Addison and I think uh, Powell are the two top ones. And everyone's going after K.J. Osborne, so that's why I'm not mentioning him. I think K.J. Osborne's the worst of that, uh, the worst player out of that trio too. And doesn't really see a playing time boost or opportunity boost with Jefferson out. So that's why he's being ignored uh, when we're discussing that injury. Looking at the Atlanta Falcons, Joe, um, the defense is something that seems to be really the the you know the the star point of of this team at this point right now the offense slowly coming along obviously the run game is something that is heavily involved uh but the falcons invested a lot of money in this defense do you think that they're starting to become worthy as a fantasy play in in defense and special teams or it's just something that should still be left off yeah i mean i'm i know what audience i'm speaking to so i say this with a heavy heart (laughs) i think it's more so the teams they've played which have been very lackluster and that right. includes my Packers uh, in that equation as opposed to oh man you know the Falcons are some fantasy relevant team I love Jesse Bates I've loved him a lot when he was with the Bengals too and I thought that's a leader and a difference maker that changes cultures like everyone talks about that and it's almost coach speak at this point but Jesse Bates is one of those guys that I really felt like was a culture changer and setter so I'm not surprised the Falcons defense has been successful you look at their game plan as well too which is to sit on the ball don't let Desmond Ritter do something dumb uh, and hope the other team makes a mistake. I mean, that's Arthur Smith's M.O. getting back to the Titans. Fine. You know, that's how a defense can be successful when you have talent as well, too. But it's not to the point where I want to go ahead and pick them up in fantasy. And I think if I, if I'm remembering the Falcons' schedule, it's basically this way the whole year. that They kind of got cupcakes the entire time. It feels like it's going to be the Giants or Vikings of last season where you're like, oh, wow, they made the playoffs. They must be good. No, they're not. It's just that the talent they played – uh, instead of them, is, is just significantly worse. So, no, I'm not picking the Falcons' defense, but I'm not surprised by what's happened thus far. Talking to Joe Barnell of Rotowire here on the Wednesday edition of the program. Joe, a couple more uh, for you. Last week we saw, and, and again, this has uh, got to be tempered a little bit, we did see a resurgence of the Bengals' offense, albeit against uh, Arizona. We saw an ungodly performance from Jamar Chase. It's my week-to-week question uh, with you. 
It, now where are we at on the Joe Burrow temperature menu, uh, meter? I mean, this is a very interesting offensive game between the Seahawks and, and Bengals and Burrow versus Geno Smith and that sort of thing. I, and also, I guess my, my two-part question is how confident are you in Burrow now, but also is any of that love going to get spread back away from Jamar Chase? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you look at the spread. The Bengals are favored by four against a better team, I think, in the Seahawks. And last week it was essentially a pick 'em because they were in Arizona as a three-point favorite for the Bengals. You know, neutral field, you say, touchdown difference. I think the Cardinals-Seahawks talent is significantly different between the two. So to say that somehow the Bengals look better uh, one week and now are four-point favorites of the Seahawks is, is really bizarre to me. But I've been one that's been saying temporary expectations. And, and don't worry about Joe Burrow. He's going to be fine eventually. And they're going to figure things out because they did the same exact cadence last year where Zach Taylor – didn't know what to do offensively for a month and a half. And you're like, oh, no, what's happening? So I'm not surprised at all by this outcome. And I, I do think uh, Joe Burrow is going to be fine, and I think Jamar Chase is going to be fine, especially if T. Higgins misses another game with those cracked ribs, which certainly seems like it's on the docket. So, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable enough in the Bengals' offense. I'm not assuming they are going to be top three or four overall in the league, like maybe some had the expectation entering the season. But I am by no means fading them, and I haven't been for most of the season. And then, Joe, with the Los Angeles Chargers, they're up next against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, what do you think about Justin Herbert against the Cowboys defense after a really rough showing from Dallas last weekend? Yeah, I assume the Cowboys defense will look better. Uh, you could you could say that that was um, part on the Cowboys defense, but I just think Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan and the way – the 49ers are operating right now is just another level, and that would have happened against the 85 Bears. You know, it, that's not really an indictment to me on the Cowboys' defense. However, uh, Trayvon Diggs obviously out for the season with that ACL tear in practice. I think they lost two corners uh, or safeties, I guess you should say. Bland being one of the bigger ones, too, towards the end of that game. What their status will be for Monday really matters to me because I, I don't think Austin Eckler and that running attack is going to be really all that effective. So they will have to pass. And this is going to be a big test for Quentin Johnson, the first-round rookie this year. They've had the bye week, theoretically, to assimilate him more, figure out how he can be the Mike Williams for the Chargers offense now that Mike Williams is out. Uh, and if Quentin Johnson can't, then the Chargers will lose. And they're going to lose a lot of games if they can't find a way to make Quentin Johnson viable uh, and a factor in that offense and a threat that defense doesn't have to worry about. So I, I'm really curious to see, from Los Angeles' perspective, how they used this bye week. Uh, and I feel like they have the pieces like Justin Herbert clearly is clearly the top five quarterback in the league in my mind, but they need to make it all work from a coaching staff perspective, from a scheming perspective, and players doing what they should be able to do in the case of Josh Palmer, Quentin Johnston. He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on the program. Joe, tell our listeners again uh, your busy schedule there at RotoWire and what our listeners can go find at RotoWire. Yeah, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I do the Tuesday RotoWire podcast, talking about all the waiver wire pickups that you need to make. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, just type in RotoWire Fantasy Football, and you'll find us on Tuesdays. So there's Amari DiMarcado that we mentioned quite a bit. I don't mind Tony Jones either, who kind of gets buried in that Cardinals backfield that got him picked up. He looked okay for the Saints, too, so if you need some deeper league recommendations, we got you covered there in the podcast. Uh, every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, Channel 87, Series XM Radio. Uh, go over all the waiver wire pickups, all the injury reports from Fridays, everything like that. And then, you know, I post on my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports, the big betting sheet. I take every over under, every spread. Uh, not quite over 500 yet in both categories, but we're trying our best. Uh, and if nothing else, I, you can uh, enjoy my ramblings about the Giants and everything else, too. So 
Yeah, a lot, lot of ways to talk to me and get my stuff. As always, Joe, we appreciate the time today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys, for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire joining us today on Sports Call.